All right, so notice we are in Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to take a few minutes. I want to expound on this passage a little bit, and then I want to get into the subject of this message. I'm hoping I can preach all of this tonight. I might need to make this a two-part, but I'm, I'm going to try to preach it all tonight. But notice what it says in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he hath chosen us in him before before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love now this passage is clearly talking to people who are saved and have believed on Christ that's who Paul's writing to Paul is talking to a church to a group of believers and Paul is showing those people that are saved that God has a plan for them okay so let me ask you a question if God has, if, if God has determined a plan, a determined plan for something or for anything, is there anything that can mess that plan up? You know, there are some things that are left, you know, that God gives us free will to do, but does that mean we're capable of messing up God's plan? Like, for example, what if we just all united in the world? And just said, let's never accept the Antichrist. That way, revelation can't be fulfilled. Do you think we're going to do that? Obviously, no. And so while I believe in an individual's free will, just understand there are things that God has decreed and God has determined and nothing is going to change those things. When it comes to your personal life, there can be some ifs in certain areas. But once God has decreed something, nothing is going to change that. And let me tell you, if you have believed on Christ, we have plenty of scripture on this. God has determined, God has decreed that you will one day be in heaven with him. Nothing can change that plan. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So person who it's, it's not determined whether or not you will, some, a person will get saved, but it has been determined that a person who does get saved stays saved. And I don't even need to preach that to you. You all know that here. But I just say all that to just show once God has determined something, he has a plan to make it come to fulfillment. And he is the one that makes it to come to fulfillment. So there is the answer to, is there anything that can derail God's determined plan? The answer is simply no. Now, what you can do, you can come and you can throw hypotheticals at me, which is what people will typically do. But understand, if God has determined something is going to happen, it will take something more powerful than God to mess it up. So if you come to me with a hypothetical, so then what if something more powerful than God comes along? I'm going to tell you, move along, that's a dumb question. Nothing is more powerful than God. But yeah, what if something becomes more powerful than God? What if pigs fly? Okay, just, you know, that's a dumb hypothetical. Do you understand that? There, uh, and you, you would have to have something more powerful than God. So verse 5, says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. The Calvinists want to make this like this is God determining somebody will get saved. No, this is something God determined for somebody who has been saved. That's what this is talking about right here. According to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved. We didn't make ourselves accepted because we're enduring to the end. No, He made us acceptable. God did that for us according to His goodwill. 
in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. And every word in the Bible is there for a reason. Okay, It's the end of 2023, and guess what? The King James Bible is still perfect, and I have still yet to have anyone convince me that there are any errors or even typos in our Bible. I believe all of it. Okay, I, I, We can trust what it says. And understand, God has had a, God has had a plan. These words are all there for a reason. And He said He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Now, why did He mention prudence? And that word prudence, the very definition of it, is the quality or fact of being prudent or wise in practical affairs as by providing for the future. Okay? And so here's the thing. When it comes to your salvation, God has a will, God has a determined will for you to get all the way to heaven. God has provided everything for you to get all the way to heaven. So here's the thing. When people come along many times bringing up ways you can lose your salvation, it's always these weird hypotheticals. It's like, wait a minute. You're coming up with a hypothetical situation, but the Bible says that God has provided for all things according to His wisdom and prudence. So the thing is, another, the only other way you're going to get somebody to lose their salvation is if you come up with a trick that God wasn't ready for to help somebody lose their salvation. Guess what? There isn't anything like that. God has prepared for everything. And you know one thing that God saw in everyone who would ever get saved? That they would still be sinful after they got saved. They would still mess up. God saw that. So that's why Jesus paid for all sins on the cross. That's why... He made salvation only by faith and by grace without works because that was the only way that we would make it to the end. That's the only way. The only salvation that would work for mankind is an eternal salvation and God provided everything according to His wisdom and prudence. So, hypotheticals. I'm going to be talking a lot about that. The things that people come up with. It's like, do you think God didn't prepare for that? I mean, that's how they're acting when they come up with these hypotheticals. So in verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of His will. Okay, again, the Calvinists are wrong. God has revealed grace to us. God has revealed salvation. God has revealed all these things. And He's made known unto us the mystery of His will. And that according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him. God, according to His wisdom and prudence, made everything about salvation dependent on what Christ does, not what we do. Okay? Have you ever had somebody that you've had to work with or work for that you didn't like giving them projects because you never knew if it was going to get done? In fact, you were pretty sure it probably wouldn't get done. And you're like, I'd rather do it yourself. Well, here's the thing. God wanted us to go to heaven. And so God knew, hey, if I leave anything up to these people, nobody's going to go to heaven. So you know what he did? He left it all up to himself. And now we actually have a chance. All we've got to do is believe on him. So verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, 
after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after that ye believed, ye were sealed, watch this, with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. So notice, everyone who gets, who believes gets sealed with the Holy Spirit. Notice, the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our salvation. So, while, it, while you, even if you're saved, you have not physically yet received your full inheritance. Okay? You have not received it yet. But, you know, we don't have the new and glorified body yet. But we do have the earnest payment. We have the Holy Spirit. God gave that to us. And that Holy Spirit that He gave us, that's God's way of telling us that I promise you're going to get the rest. I gave you the Holy Spirit. And when God gives you the Holy Spirit, understand, you have it. It's yours. He does not take it away. God gave you the Holy Spirit as a, as a way to show the security of the promise that He gave you that you will be in heaven one of these days. That's why He gave you the Holy Spirit. And that is, that. so that's, the Holy Spirit is our guarantee that we're saved. That's why I have had many people out there, I have had, and, and I'm talking, I'm talking from unsaved people and saved people accuse me of not being saved, and I laugh at them. You know why? Because I have the earnest of the Holy Spirit. I've had independent fundamental, right on the gospel Baptist, accuse me of not being saved because I'm just friends with people that they think are heretics and therefore I'm not saved. And I just laugh because it's like, how can you convince me that I'm not saved when I have the Holy Spirit? Because maybe he isn't to these people, but you know what? He's real to me. It would be like convincing me I'm not married. It's like, who's this lady I've been living with for 23 years? You know, I'm married. Okay. You know, and, and one of my proofs is this right here. But I got, you know, I've got a marriage license. But at the end of the day, too, I have her with me. You know, I mean, she, she lives in my house. We've got all these kids together. They're, they're, you, you can't convince me I'm not married. And you know what? You can't convince me I'm not saved. No matter how much you beat your chest, no matter how right you say you are on the gospel, no matter how much you foam at the mouth, I mean, it's laughable when people try to tell me, I'm not saved because I've got, the, I, I've got the earnest of it. I don't have the glorified body, but I've got the Holy Spirit. Oh, I don't know if your life's changing up. I've got the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit. And the title of my message tonight is, what about the Holy Spirit? What about the Holy Spirit? That, and this is an important thing. And I said, I showed you all these passages to point out clear Scripture showing it is God's will for everyone who believes to make it to the finish line, to make it to heaven, to show the, and to, uh, also to show you it has already been revealed what will make us get to the finish line. It's Him. It's the Holy Spirit. We're going to get to the finish line because of God. God has left each of us with proof by giving us the Holy Ghost. It's kind of like an, like that earnest payment you put on a house. It shows it shows that you're serious. It shows you fully intend to go through with this deal. Okay, now I get it. It's America. There's ways you can still back out, but it's supposed to it's supposed to signal, you know, a serious bit. And you know, 
legally, you're not supposed to be able to get that earnest money back if you back out of the deal. And so the thing is, God gave us the Holy Spirit. God can't back out on giving us salvation because the Holy Spirit's ours now. He gave us that earnest of the, of the Spirit. So, you know, there's so many ways in the Bible to prove we can't lose our salvation. It's just, I just, more the more I learn, the more I'm just shocked and horrified and disgusted by people who teach you can lose your salvation. At the end of the day, it's all about the Holy Spirit. Understand, the Holy Ghost is not just a thing, but the Holy Ghost is God. He's a person. He's a member of the Godhead. He works. He moves. He does things. He's active in our lives. But sadly, though, when many people are having theological debates, they don't factor in the Holy Ghost. And that's why I'm calling this sermon, What About the Holy Ghost? We're going to look at a few different theological debates that people are always having. Sometimes, even within churches like ours, people will get caught up in foolish debates over certain doctrines. And it's like, hey, time out. This whole debate can be settled right here if we would just factor in something everyone's leaving out, and that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, why isn't He part of this conversation? The Holy Spirit is God. What we are discussing right here involves one of the Holy Spirit's responsibilities. Do you think He's not going to come through on something that He promised? But nobody wants to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I'm, t- and I'm, I'm bringing this up because the, the, just understanding the role of the Holy Spirit in these things will end the debate when it comes to certain things. Because typically when people go into debates, they bring up, Weird hypotheticals. And you know, all hypotheticals exclude the Holy Ghost. All, all these hypotheticals always exclude the Holy Ghost. I refer to this on Wednesday. I've been wanting to preach about this for a while and I finally decided to get to it. And so I want to bring up some common debates that often come up where they don't factor that in. So many of these theological disputes typically turn into stripes of words and people just trying to verbally align themselves with a specific camp. But when the reality is, it's not even an intellectual battle. It's a spiritual thing. The Bible, it's about spiritual things. These are spiritual matters. And it's not just an intellectual debate. And there there are unsaved intellectuals out there who are completely capable of articulating and accurately representing various theological views that are incorrect and correct. But it doesn't mean they believe them. You have to believe them. Okay? A person can get up and say, you know, those once saved, always saved, easy believism people, this is what they believe. And they can get up and they could accurately represent us. And, you know, but at the same time, so they understand these facts, but if they have not put their faith in them, if they don't believe them, they're not saved. So understand a lot of these battles that are going on, there are people who will you know, they'll, they'll even verbally say some things that are accurate, but it's clear they don't understand the actual issue because nobody's factoring in the Holy Ghost. And if we were, if we would bring up the Holy Ghost in this subject, it changes everything. It ends the argument. There's no debate left on these things. And so let's look at some of these arguments that are common where people fail to factor in the Holy Ghost. And let's not do it either. Let's not make these arguments while We all have a side in these arguments. Let's not make them about just the intellectual things. 
the Holy Ghost has to be factored in. And I'm telling you, you go go watch the debates online, go watch the people making videos, fighting with each other, calling everybody heretics. Nobody fact nobody brings up the Holy Ghost factor in any of these things. Okay? And it is. Just like it would be ridiculous to try to talk about a salvation that does not involve the work of Jesus Christ, seeing he made full payment for our sins. Did you know that it's ridiculous to try to teach a salvation that doesn't involve the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit keeps us saved. The Holy Spirit seals us to the day of redemption. All members of the Godhead have a part in our salvation. God is the one who is in authority. The Father is in authority over all these things. It was Him that decreed and determined these things. And it was Jesus that went and did the work on the cross. But it's the Holy Spirit that did a work in our hearts to get us to believe. And it's the Holy Spirit that seals us once we believe and keeps us safe. You can't separate, you can't take any, you can't take any of the Godhead out of the equation when talking about salvation. Anybody tries to take any of the Godhead out, these people are not saved. They're not talking about a true salvation. But the Holy Spirit is probably one of the least brought up individuals or persons in this subject. And we don't want to do that. So, first one, and we've already touched on some of this, but I want to briefly look at a few more things in the debate about eternal salvation. Okay? And we've all heard the hypotheticals. Well, what if somebody gets saved and they go do X, Y, and Z? Do we forget about the Holy Spirit? Let's look, at, let's look at a few things here. See, some people just want to argue the intellectual facts. So you do. You have the eternal security crowd. And they do. They, and it, and this isn't wrong by itself. You know, they'll want to go and show all the biblical facts in the Bible showing where it says you can't lose your salvation. That is a massive part of our argument. But it's not, a, it's not it. It's not the only thing. Because these people, they, they're coming up with all these weird hypotheticals. But wait, if we talk about the Holy Spirit part, those hypotheticals don't matter. These people have literally nothing to even think about or be concerned about. Look what it says in Hebrews 10.14. It says, For by one offering He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is witness to us. For after that He had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them in those days, saith the Lord. I will put My laws in their hearts and in their minds, and I will write them in their sins and iniquities while I remember no more. Now, folks, this here is so important. And I talked a few weeks ago about the free grace one upper crowd. This is where they're going to lose their minds. But folks, this is one of the greatest things about salvation, about assurance of salvation. Because in the free grace one upper community, they've, they're always debating, what if a person quits believing? What if a person... Uh, you know, doesn't know for sure if they're saved. And they, they come up with all these weird hypotheticals because they don't, they never talk about the Holy Ghost. They, they don't factor in the Holy Ghost when it comes to things. But notice, the offering of Christ perfected forever them that are sanctified. Okay? Right there is proof that the work of Jesus was a once and for all work that covers us forever. We already know that. But then he goes on to say, the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us because of that covenant where God wrote those things in our heart. We talked about that this morning. What did God write on our hearts? Love the Lord and love your neighbor. So the, the thing is, it's bringing this up that your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. You know why? Because every person is going to have thoughts come into their mind. Every person is going to have, you know, some foaming at the mouth idiot come along. It's like, I don't think you're saved. 
you know, and they can cast out. And I'm not saying a person can't have a moment of thought or, whatever, or have thoughts cross your mind and wonder. But at the end of the day, when those times come and they've come for everyone, they've come for me before. But when question comes in your salvation, the Holy Ghost testifies to us. When you sin and you mess up and you're thinking, man, I'm not worthy of salvation. Am I sure I'm saved? The Holy Spirit testifies to you. Yes, in fact, you are still saved. You've been perfected by the work of Jesus Christ and your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. You have the Word of God written on your heart. Do you not have somewhere in you a desire to love God and love your neighbor? Now listen, we all have the flesh that we fight. Okay? I don't even have to ask you, does anybody in here ever struggle with sin? Does anybody ever in here deal with temptations and think bad thoughts and all that kind of stuff? Everybody, everybody has that. But at the same time too, while we all know we've got that, we all should, should know if we have the Holy Spirit that's telling us don't do those things. And when people are like, I, I have no idea. You know, you have, you know, then, you know, there's reason to be concerned about these people. So, Jesus did all the work for salvation. That is a fact. The Scripture bears witness, but the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. The Holy Ghost writes the law of God in our hearts. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. So, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, Ephesians 4.29 says this, and this is where people go into the what abouts. Well, what about this? What about that? Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So, if somebody's like, well, what if a person does whatever? We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. There's no what about. There's no what if. The Holy Spirit seals us. It's like, but what if I... No, this isn't... Salvation isn't about what you do to get saved. And it's not about what you do to stay saved. It's about what Jesus did. And the Holy Spirit preserves us in Christ. So there's no what abouts. But if you leave out the Holy Spirit, I can see why people would wonder. But let's not leave out the Holy Spirit. So we've already shown that when it comes to any legitimate what about situation... God planned, God, God planned for these things by having Jesus pay for all sins. You see, again, God was looking ahead. So let's just theoretically for a minute, let's just say theoretically that there were some sins that would make you lose your salvation. Okay? For example, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, taking the mark of the beast, becoming a sodomite, right? Let's just say, okay, because that's what people do. What if somebody gets saved and then they become a homo? What about the Holy Ghost? Are we not factoring in the Holy Ghost? You see, because this is what people are missing. When God made a way of salvation, we already showed in Ephesians, God planned for every possible future contingency. So if theoretically becoming a homo made you lose your salvation, do you think God could stop you from becoming a homo? Did you ever think about that? Did you ever think if taking the mark of the beast would make a saved person lose their, lose their salvation, that God might not figure out a way to stop you from taking the mark of the beast? 
Y'all understand? That's what we're not factoring in. The Bible has already showed us that God planned for everything. And, and, and God revealed what that plan was. It's the Holy Spirit. So I'm here today to tell you, I don't believe for two seconds that a saved person can blaspheme the Holy Ghost, take the mark of the beast, or become a sodomite. I don't believe that. Why? I need a scripture that says a saved person can't become a homo. It's all the ones about the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost preserves us. The Holy Ghost is the one that, that keeps us sealed to the day of redemption. And, and so again, and, and people try to act like all sins are the same. No, they're not. Okay, first off, they're not. But even if a sin does, was something that technically should make you lose your salvation, what about the Holy Ghost? He seals us. He preserves us. Because what about all the little sins too? The Holy Spirit. That's why we're still saved. So if we're going to play the game of hypotheticals, you know, so, you know, let's go ahead and do it. But now let's factor in the Holy Ghost. Argument settled. The Holy Ghost takes care of all the hypotheticals. What if, and so, uh, Jude one twenty four says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And does anybody know how God is able to keep us from falling? And how to, how on earth is God going to present us faultless? Um, the blood of Christ, the Holy Spirit. That's how. It's been revealed. So we've got, we've, we've got to factor that in. And people, every hypothetical they come with, up with always leaves out the Holy Ghost when it comes to eternal security. And so this causes people to declare, and this is, this is crazy and this is revealing when people do this. But often when people, when you show people this, you know, verses about eternal security, they will declare all these horrible things they would do if they believe that. Well, you know, if I believed eternal security, I, I, I had a Baptist preacher. He was a Calvinist, by the way, so we shouldn't be surprised. But I, I had a Baptist preacher one time. You know, it, it, this, this, is, this is what he, you know, he was just like, yeah, you know, these people, you know, if life's all there is, just, you know, might as well just rape and pillage. It's just like, is, is, that, is, that, what, is that what you would do if that's all there was? Is, is that how you feel? And I've heard people get up, you know, if I believe that, I heard a guy the other day, you know, I'd be drinking Jack Daniels and doing this. You know, it's just like, is that what you want to do right now? And have you ever heard people get up and declare all the terrible things they would do? Uh, our, one of our favorite trolls, Nick Sayers, that uh, he's always he's always trolling my stuff. Well, you know, if I believe like that, I'd just go and you know, I'd get saved and then I'd kill myself. Is your life that bad? Are you wanting to kill yourself right now, but you're just not doing it because you think that'll make you go to hell? Uh, some, something's, wrong, something's wrong with you, buddy. It, something, something's wrong with you. These people are revealing what's in their heart. But wait a minute. Those of us who got saved, the Holy Ghost wrote His law on our heart and we love God and we love our neighbor. So, all these people talking about all these things that they would do, you know what it shows? An absence of the Holy Ghost. Do you think the Holy Ghost is going to make you want to feel that way? And want to do all those terrible things? Do you think you're going to want to do those things if you have the Holy Ghost in you? Do you think the Holy Ghost is going to let you do these horrifying, abominable things? No. The Holy Ghost is going to keep, He's going to keep you from falling. Romans 2.25. And we talked about this a while back in Romans. And man, I'm running out of time. You all went long in the testimonies. That's what it was. I'm not preaching long. It says, For circumcision verily profited if thou keep the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. 
Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? Shall And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by letter and circumcision does transgress the law? For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. And you all know this passage, but I don't have time to go th- break this all down, but I covered this in Romans 2. What he's basically saying is like, wait a minute. We've got some of you Jews following the letter of the law, but yet you're disobeying other things, showing the law of God is not even in your heart. While we've got Gentiles, they're not following the letter of the law, but they're doing some of the things of the law by nature. That would actually make them better than you because they're doing these things of their own free will. They're doing these things from the heart. That makes them more of a Jew than you if they're doing that. Because you got these Jews just going through the motions because they're Jews, but then you have other people that are doing some things because they believe them in their heart. God said, that's the real Jew right there. And so the reality is, people who just have this desire to do all these horrible things and rape and pillage and all that, something's wrong with their heart. And the truth is, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit, He's going to write some things on your heart and you're going to do things, not in the letter, but you're going to do it because that's what you actually believe. It's who you are. So the law written in our hearts is love God, love your neighbors. Why don't you want to do that? Something's wrong with you if you don't want to do that. Listen, and just like and if, if the sins you want to do, we understand that. It's because you still have the flesh. But if you have the Spirit, you're going to want to love God and love your neighbors. Sometimes we're going to give ourselves what our flesh wants. Sometimes we'll give ourselves what the Spirit wants. But these people who can't ever anywhere in their hearts find love for God and love for others, I don't think they're saved. (laughs) Oh, you're looking for outward evidence. Yep, because I can't see your heart. All I can see is outward evidence. So sorry about that. Fortunately, you're not going to stand before me on Judgment Day because I'd throw you into hell for sure. Because I sure can't see your heart. All I can see is your works. But anyway, so factoring in the Holy Ghost, it solves every equation when it comes to the eternal salvation doctrine. Another debate people are having is, and this is, this is something that comes up in the Free Grace One Upper community, and it's ridiculous, and that's whether a person can, can stop believing. Okay? Now listen, when a person entertains the idea about whether or not someone can stop believing, understand that person is not factoring in the Holy Ghost. Look what it says in 2 Timothy 1.12. For the which also I suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. Hold fast that form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and in love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. You know how you got saved? You quit trying to keep your own salvation and hang on to your own soul and you committed it to Jesus Christ. You gave it to Him. That's how we know we're saved. I mean, so the thing is, you can't, it's not about you lose. The reality is, if you teach that somebody can lose their salvation, technically it wasn't you that lost it, it was Jesus that lost it. Because a person who gets saved commits it to Christ. And do you think Jesus is going to lose your salvation? After all he did 
so you could go to heaven and so he could get you saved in the first place? Oops, I misplaced your salvation. It's not going to happen. And guess what? It says, unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Which dwelleth in us. So again, a person to quit believing or to forget that they were saved. It, again, it would be like me forgetting I'm married. I, mean, I, I, for, I forgot. I'm not even sure if I am married anymore. No. My wife reminds me. We, we have anniversaries every year. And I, I, I've never forgotten an anniversary. And part of that is because I, I think it's because I remember. But part of it too, I'm kind of scared forgetting an anniversary too. <laughs> and so, so again, there's some things it's hard to forget when you live with somebody. It's like kids, you know, Kelly's been talking about her birthday now for like three months. You know, it's actually getting close now. And I haven't even heard her say anything about it lately. But you know, it's hard for you to forget your kids' birthdays when they're always bringing it up. And how do you quit believing when you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you? But, but yet people will debate this stuff, like what if this happens? Um, that's going to be really hard to happen when the Holy Ghost lives inside of you. But it's like, it's, it's like he's not real to some of these people. And sometimes, sometimes you gotta wonder. But, for me, the way it should be for you, this should just be considered a stupid argument. Because the Holy Ghost is there. But this is where, um, well, turn over to, um, Romans 15. See again, so, a saved person can't stop believing. Believing on Christ, it's not you deciding to have faith and then depending on yourself to hold on to that faith. It is, you know, it is you not trusting in yourself and committing all things to Him. So again, I can't really forget when the Holy Spirit is always there to remind me. Romans 5, 15, 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So again, the Holy Ghost is mentioned a lot when it talks about our salvation. A lot. Yet people debating all these weird things like losing your salvation, quit believing, they don't talk about the Holy Ghost. And once you, once you bring him into the conversation, the debate's settled. It's over. And the, but they leave him out. So the power to keep believing doesn't come from you. It comes from the Holy Ghost. You don't have, it's, 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 you don't need a fear. Oh, I, I gotta hang on to this belief. No, it comes from the Holy Ghost. You're, you're good. You're okay. Enjoy your salvation. So, the other debate people bring up is will there for sure be an outward change if someone truly does get saved? Okay? Now, man, I don't, let me just hit a couple of these verses here. Let's, let's start reading in verse... Uh, we'll start reading verse 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God so you would abound more and more. So he's telling them how they should act. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. There's some ways that God does not want us behaving. We have not been called unto uncleanness, but holiness. And then verse, uh, He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us the Holy Spirit. He thought, why would you act like that when God gave you the Holy Spirit? You're grieving the Holy Spirit when you, when you do those kind of sins. And then he goes on to say, talk about loving one another. 
And it says, Indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase the more and more. So here's where people get pulled into traps. This is why this is kind of a, this is a dumb argument on both sides. It's dumb when people argue there will be an outward change. And it's dumb when other people want to argue that no, there doesn't have to be an outward change. This is actually a dumb argument that if we would talk about the Holy Spirit, again, the argument is, you know, there, there's, there's really no need for this foolishness. There's no need for this dumb argument. Don't let wicked people fool you into creating a standard, all right? And I'm talking to these, I'm talking to people who deal with some of these free grace one-upper nuts. Don't let these wicked people fool you into creating a standard that for sure isn't in the Bible. You can't show me a standard spelled out in the scriptures saying a saved person who's truly saved will in fact do A, B, and C. You can't do that. You can't show me in the scripture anything like that. You don't know how God will work in someone's life or what his timing will be. You don't know. You can't understand that. So to the free grace one upper crowd, just understand the person you're conning into creating the standard. They're just fat. Here's what they're doing. Okay. This is what they're doing. If I may defend them for a minute. These people who expect some kind of change from somebody who truly gets saved. They're just factoring in the Holy Ghost. And they can't imagine how a person could have the Holy Ghost dwelling in them and not have some kind of change, not some kind of evidence. Just like, have you ever, and you know, this might not be a perfect illustration, but have you ever like maybe worked with somebody or known somebody that's like, he does all kinds of things that's like, and that you can't imagine a married man doing because it's like, my wife would never let me do that. Now, here's, here's the thing. We all have different wives, right? So, you know, there are, there's women that put up with all kinds of stuff. They probably shouldn't. But we all have the same Holy Spirit, don't we? And there are, I know the Holy Spirit that dwells in me. And honestly, I just can't imagine how a person can do some things. And again, some people haven't been taught, but I'm talking about somebody like myself. Somebody who's been raised like I have, been taught things, somebody who much has been given to. There's just some things I can't really imagine, I can't really imagine. So, you know, when I hear somebody like just promoting wickedness, you know, I do. When I hear preachers that grew up in homes like mine and they're like advocating for drinking and all this stuff, I'm just like, that's weird. I don't, I just, I just imagine, you know, in, in my mind, I, I have, I have no desire to drink alcohol. But in my mind, I've just pictured myself, you know, just when I imagine just walking into a bar and ordering a drink, you know, I cannot, I just, I picture the Holy Spirit ready to just body slam me or throw me out in front of a car when I leave the place. That's what I imagine. Just like there's some things that you meant you would, you wouldn't do with another woman because you're horrified of what your wife would do if she saw you. And, and it's because you live with her, you know how she is. And so that I'm the same way. I've got the Holy Spirit with me. It's like, I can't, I can't go anywhere without the Holy Spirit. You might be able to hide from your wife, but you can't hide from the Holy Spirit. And so the thought of some sins terrifies me. Because it's like, man, if I go there, I'm taking the Holy Spirit with me. He's going to let me have it. I, I know Him. And so when somebody claims they have the same Holy Spirit, and I get it, you know, that, you know, so there's, there's, there's all kinds of different backgrounds and things, but people who know better, 
It's weird. And sometimes preachers will foolishly get up. A saved person would never take a drink of alcohol. Uh, no, that is, that's not true. There, there, that, absolutely, that absolutely is not true at all. You just can't imagine you doing it because you know, of that relationship you have with the Holy Spirit. But either way, that reason these people come up with these things, it's not because they're unsaved heretics all the time. Sometimes they are. It's not because they're work backloaders, okay? if that's even a real thing. It's just, it's just like kids. My parents would kill me if I did that. Have anybody ever said that? When you were growing up, you'd see other kids do things, and you're just like, do you not have a mom and dad? And you know they have a mom and dad, but it's like, well, obviously, your mom and dad is not like my mom and dad, because my mom and dad would kill me. I mean, there are some things I think if I still did it, I'm, I'm scared of the Holy Ghost, I'm scared of my wife, I'm still scared of my mom and dad if I did some things. You know, because they're, they're still around. And, and if I went and did it, I wouldn't want them to find out. And if, if I did, if I, I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm terrified of going in a bar. I wouldn't want any of you finding out. I wouldn't want my wife finding out. I wouldn't want my kids finding out. I wouldn't want my parents finding out. And I could fool everyone. But you know what? I'm not going to fool the Holy Ghost. And I promise he will get me busted. A fight's going to break out. Something's going to happen. It's going to become a viral moment. And I'm going to be seen in the background on somebody's cell phone camera. It's going to happen for sure if I go there. I, I, have, I will get so caught. The Holy Spirit will make sure of that. He will possess somebody else to get in a fight or something. Or he'll send a demon to do that. He wouldn't possess somebody to do that. But And, and, and somebody's going to whoop out their camera, and I'm going to get videoed there, and I'm done. I, I have no doubt in my mind that that would happen. And so I believe it's a mistake to try to teach some standard that everyone who's saved will live up to. I do not believe that everyone that says something along those lines is unsaved. That's ridiculous. I don't believe... In this concept of works backloading. I just, I think it's foolish. I think it's made up. When preachers say these things, they're often just saying, I don't understand how a saved person can do X, Y, and Z. I, 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 I don't understand it, but I don't have to. Bible's still clear. Salvation's not, not about works. And so just lastly, I'm going to just touch on this real quick. I'm not even going to be able to get into all the scriptures. But this is also closely related to the, another debate where people don't factor in the Holy Ghost, and that's over the reprobate doctrine. Okay? And this error, all the free grace one upper community people reject the reprobate doctrine. And, and, and it's because it shows their complete absence of the Holy Ghost in their doctrine. To them, the gospel is a set of facts one must intellectually assent to, and you better use all the same terminology they do. Otherwise, you're probably not saved and you're going to get exposed. You know? And so while we must remember that Jesus did all the work for salvation, it is the role of the Holy Spirit to draw people to salvation. In John 16, Jesus talked about how the Holy Spirit, He would, he would reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And he, he points out the truth about people's sin. He points out the judgment that will come as a result. Everyone who gets saved will be drawn by the Holy Ghost. You can't come to the Father except you're drawn by the Holy Ghost. And by the way, for the Calvinist, He will draw all men. That's on John 12:32. But because the Holy Ghost is never a factor in their doctrine, except maybe when you're proven you can't lose your salvation, sometimes they'll use that card if they need it. It just shows they don't understand what's even being discussed in Romans chapter 1. Because to them in that community, all passages are about salvation. It's like, no, some things are about discipleship and other things. But look what it says in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed 
from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. How does God show things to people? How does God show these things to man? He does it through the Holy Ghost. That's how He does it. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Just like the Holy Ghost will enlighten those who believe, He will at some point darken those who refuse to believe. He will not always chide. God is not required to fight with man forever. He is not required to do that. There's plenty of Scripture on that as well. And so we see, because they refused, God darkened them and gave them over. It says, for this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. And then you know this passage talks about all the abominable homotype things that people do. But let's make sure we get this. All of us have sinful things that we are drawn to. Our flesh is drawn to these things. But there are things on this earth that are very appealing to our flesh. When we fail to trust God and we pursue those things that appeal to our flesh, whether saved or lost, they appeal to your flesh. Just understand, there is a punishment that God does. When a person refuses to trust Him, when a person refuses to be saved, they refuse that drawing of the Holy Ghost, and it's because they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. They don't want to be reproved of their sin. You know what God does? God gives them over to all these horrible things. So like when a person just gives themselves over to the adulteries, the fornications, things that we all might be tempted with, uh, uh, you know, when we just give whatever our, our fle- sinful flesh would at once, God will not allow it to satisfy us. It's, remember that story in the Bible when the children of Israel, they demanded meat because they were sick of manna and God gave them what they wanted. But then you know what? God said, I'm going to give it. To, it's going to come out of your nose. God made them sick. God sent leanness to their souls. He didn't let them enjoy it. And, what, and so understand, while every saved person has things of the flesh that we're tempted with, one of the things that God does as a testimony to all, saved and lost, when a person fully gives themselves over those things. Because, you know, how many times have we seen these rock stars, these famous people, these rich people that have everything every guy would ever want? They've got all the money. They've got all the things. They've got all the women. But what happens to half these people? Don't they usually end up turning into sodomites? Why is it? Why is that? You know why? Because when they give themselves over to all those things, they reject God pursuing those things of the flesh. God gives them over to vile affections to where now they're pursuing things that are repulsive to our flesh. What's God doing? God is showing mankind that your flesh cannot be satisfied. And just like, you know, while there are some things that, you know, Young people especially, they look and see people doing and think, man, I'd like that. There's also things that God has put out there to show where we're supposed to be like, I don't want that. And while, you know, there's, you know, guys out there that have the beautiful women and Satan uses that to like tempt young men into going after certain things. You know what else God does? God has men with men. So straight people will look and say, 
let's not give ourselves over to the things of the flesh because I don't ever want to be like that guy. And listen, you give yourself over to whatever your flesh wants, that's eventually what you'll be. You'll eventually be like these sodomites. You'll be a Michael Jackson. You'll be an Elton John. You'll be an Ellen DeGeneres. Do you, anybody want your daughters to turn out like a Roseanne Barr? Or not Roseanne Barr. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell. Roseanne Barr is not too, not too great either. I don't want that. Listen, you give your flesh whatever it wants. It's a punishment. It's a way to humiliate. God's, God's humiliating these people. Okay? God's doing that and it's a testimony to everyone else. But in the free grace one upper community, they act like all sin is the same. No, it's not. There are things that are, are appealing to our sinful flesh, but there's also things that are disgusting even to our sinful flesh. None of us, I mean, how many have a fear, you know, when you, when you had to use those outhouses and things, just the fear of falling in one of those things? <laughs> I just, I've always, you know, I remember as a little kid just thinking how horrible. And every time you, you see one of those things, you just think, how horrible it would be to fall in something like that? Well, let me tell you, if you go down the path of getting over to the flesh, you will be the kind of person that will eventually want to go swimming in one of those. You know, and figuratively speaking, and that's what a sodomite is, as far as I'm concerned. That is, it's repulsive, it's humiliating, it's disgusting. Just like God turned Nebuchadnezzar into a beast and humiliated him for seven years. That's what these people are. And, and the Holy Spirit did that to them, to darken them. So, what makes you think when God is literally, He's manifested that He is punishing these people? For their rejection of the gospel, what makes you think they're coming back from that? Why would you try to bring them back from that? You know what you should do? You should look at that and use it as a testimony to your children. Do you see that? Do you see how that naturally makes you want to vomit? They did a study too. I've been here, seeing some things shared about it, showing how men have the same reaction to men kissing as they do when they see maggots. Maggots and you know what's, you know, it's like, it, it, it does, it, it makes you feel that way and understand God does that to, it, it's a testimony to all of us. And so, you know what you need to do whenever you see queers, that's the Holy Ghost telling you, don't give your flesh what it wants. It, you won't be satisfied if you keep indulging. That's where it leads. That, that's, that's the testimony. And so we just need to trust him. And there, there was more could have said on that just always remember the holy ghost is just as much god as jesus christ while he is a distinct person in the godhead godhead and performs a specific role you can't leave him out of any equation and 99 percent of the time when people are debating these things the holy ghost is not factored in and in the in the reprobate doctrine that is also another thing that needs to be factored in god did this work to him and if you think you're going to undo it, you're insane. It's not about somebody just committing a sin and now they can't get saved. That's not what it is. That absolutely is not what that's talking about. And you all know that here. We don't have time to go, go into that more. But hopefully you'll remember the Holy Spirit in all things. If you have him inside of you, it should be easy to do. Because he's with you all the time and he's never going to leave you. So that, let's pray to your Lord. We thank you so much for these scriptures and the lessons we can learn from them. I pray, Lord, you'll help each one in here to just have a, a closer walk with you. Help us to learn to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit like we're supposed to. And I pray that you'll uh, help us be victorious in our life. As a result, in your name we pray. Amen.